and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we're going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the deepest and the spacest and the rockiest and shoalest of, <laughs> of, of all the Star Treks. My name is Wade Bowen. Uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we will be talking about an episode called um, Rocks and Shoals. Yes, <laughs> Rocks and Shoals is what we're talking about tonight. This is episode two of season six. It originally aired October 6th, 1997. And here is the IMDb description. Cisco and his crew crash on a barren world... <laughs> When their com- commandeered Jim'Hadar ship is shot down, they encounter the Jim'Hadar who crashed there earlier, and have taken Nog and Garrick hostage in exchange for medical aid for their Vorta overseer. Uh, boys, if, if there's anything I like, it is a light motif <laughs> and the, <laughs> a light reoccurring motif. And if it be it stranded on a planet with <laughs> the Jim'Hadar. Uh, is starting to become one of my favorite ones. This is the <laughs> third time this is. This is literally a sequel. This is literally a sequel. No one asked for it. A sequel to this the ship. A, a sequel to the sequel because the ship was a sequel to uh, uh, Julian being yes, stranded. Yes. <laughs> but this is like I mean, this yes. is literally the beginning and the ending of the ship. Yes, like like the the actual physical yeah. ship. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is. You're right. That that's very astute of you. The ship uh, bites it in the beginning of this episode. Except this time, the rock quarry they landed in has water, mm-hmm. <laughs> and was literally filled to the same place. Yeah. Yeah. That's like they just they have no, that that opening scene where the Jim Hadar are overlooking the beach. I thought they were going to spread Donnie's ashes <laughs> there. I thought, I thought that's exactly. <laughs> what the fuck does Vietnam have to do with anything, Walter? <laughs> he, well, he actually, this episode. That will... <laughs> from Huntington Beach to Lou Hawaii or what is Yeah, something like that. To Laguna. He surfed all these. Um, yeah. That was, and if we could, if we could uh, insert the dialogue from that over that and then post that on our Patreon, I think it would be a big I think hit. I might I can actually try that tonight because that shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> no. Yeah, just because it starts off with, the shot starts off with a, like a three-quarter turned face yeah, yeah. with the beach in the background of one and, and the Jim Hadars in the, in the foreground and then another one pops up, you know, so you've got the two people there. Uh, yeah. So well, I was the first thing I thought of that shot, and I, there's a reason for it while we get to it. But there's, I was like, why are those guys' eyes so red? Are they? Are they still? Are they in California? They're California. <laughs> like, because they look, their eyes look so red. And the reason for that is it was 128 degrees outside. Holy shit! It was melting their equipment, and their the the uh, the makeup was melting. Yeah. Because they used this latex, which is a really low melt point. Right. It was melting and getting into their eyes. Yikes. So they had to have that eye squeegees, like the squeeze bottles, like on set. Yeah. To get yeah. the, to get oh, the, wow. the, yeah, it was like, oh, when I read that, that was a nightmare. Uh, and they actually didn't shoot, like it was so hot that they just didn't shoot a whole scene. <laughs> and that was in the script that, that is a, oh, really? would have tied some shit together, but like, they were just like, fuck oh. it, dude. It's 128 degrees. <laughs> yeah, we can't kill anybody yeah. here. We don't, yeah. 
We're not trying to be John Landis with this Star Trek show. <laughs> There's a uh, whoever's the Gomer, like the, the the red shirt that didn't get that was clearly like whatever his name was. Oh yeah, there was the four characters we five characters we know, and then the two we don't. And, yeah, and I was like, oh, I like the redhead and, lieutenant. And, yeah. uh, the dude, his yes. uh, there's a part where he was having to run up a hill or, or a rock or something in this script. And like on one take, like literally like his footprints were staying behind, like the rocks were melting the oh, wow. rubber. Oh, from the his melting the oh, my God. rubber on his <laughs> like, Wow. So uh so yeah, that's how hot it was. So that's why they look horrible. <laughs> yeah, well it wor- it works for the the uh what the yeah, plot's going and on. You think about it, like I guess that shot of Cisco at the end pointing at uh the I, I, Ira Kaplan, uh, yes. Borta. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like when he points at him, that's like a fake. <laughs> it looks like Ira Kaplan. <laughs> but, uh, um, like, he, oh, I get it's yeah. that that I shot of Cisco looking sweaty and pissed and tired pissed. is so perfect that it's because yeah, Avery Brooks was sweaty <laughs> and pissed and tired. <laughs> they were going method. Yeah, yeah, that's. Did you guys like this episode? Oh, I thought it was great. I like, kind of love this episode. Yeah. I like. There's. Yeah, yeah. I like this episode a lot. What do you feel? No, I. I. It's. Uh, <laughs> it's okay with <laughs> me. A fine episode. This isn't like I. Doubt. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. Am, am I allowed to like it, Hugh? You know what? All right. This is this is the thing about this. Uh, we can kind of jump right into it because yes. Kira's got her own B plot in this. Yes. And it's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of good stuff to unpack there. Uh, we even have Jake, and he's got his first uh, press conference with the Trump administration, <laughs> and we can un- we can unpack that. Um, but what I really like about this episode is what I really like about most Jim Hadar slash Dominion slash Forta stuff mm-hmm. is that the Jim Hadar and all these stories almost always have their own bullshit yes. going on mm-hmm. that makes them very interesting as a bad guy because they have their own private dramas that they're. It, like always trying to wade through. So this is the thing, though. Th- that brings up an interesting point because what I always and it's because Star Trek in general, but specifically this writers' room and specifically Ronald D. Moore who wrote this episode and wrote the majority of the lore around Klingons. Bulk of the series, that, dude. Bulk of the series, dude. Um, <laughs> bulk of the series, dude. Bulk of the series. <laughs> From the In and Out Burger, you know. Like, this is got I wonder how many, how many. How many Big Lebowski references could we shoehorn into one episode? We can try this. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, instead of I of thinking that Ira Kaplan joke, I probably should have wedged in a, 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 some other reference. But anyway, Jesus. But uh, <laughs> I got one in the I got one in the chamber. For okay, that okay, I'll let you go. I'll let you keep that. One. <laughs> but um, so they they like to represent these masculine honor honor cultures. And so the Jim Adar is, is like that. And we have like five episodes now where they meet the Jim Adar and the Jim Adar show like this like rigid morality and, and, and an honor code that is uh, I think we're supposed to be left admiring. Right. And it's just weird that like it just leads to the question if the founders are so fucking strong, why don't they just get rid of the Vorta? Well, because they're middle managers. That's yeah. what my favorite part. One of my favorite part of this episode is when they're gathering around to get the the Ketracel white, and I'm like, what, mm-hmm. what, what does this remind me of? Oh, it reminds me of the meetings at Target when the team leads would call us, <laughs> call us all around in a semicircle. <laughs> 
Me and Hugh worked at Target. Yeah, together we did. For, it was like a million years ago. But yes, yes. Uh, that's the, the Vorta represent middle management, and that's and the burdens of uh, middle management is. It's like the Vorta is explaining. I can only schedule as many hours as corporate allows. Right. Yes. <laughs> Could right, you hear right. them say that? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it seems to me that like part of I, I feel like the show's theme with the Jim Hadar and the Vorta is that like the Jim Hadar, they're the murderer, but like them, but hate the Vorta. Like that's the and, and are you saying yes? The worker class right. is is more interesting than management. Uh, yes, or, or, but you want to say the worker class, but they could also be like love the military industrial complex, just hate ineffectual middle management, sure, or whatever. But or like, bureaucrats I, I mean, uh, or yeah, yeah, politicians because yeah. they're pol- they could, the Vorta are sort of like the middlemen boogeyman slash politicians mm-hmm. bureaucrats middle managers just like everybody who's in a part of a system that yeah that doesn't right this right. guy never served a day you know he hasn't seen combat but we gotta take we gotta take his orders because he's and i and i know, get that because a, like if there was anybody in in star wars lore that would jerk off to bigfoot porn it's probably vorta i i get that, <laughs> that there's this sort of like low rent like state rep politician right. sort of uh vibe to all the vorta mm-hmm. and, and i get that that they're easy pot shots i just wonder and i'm not really this isn't a critique i like watching the jim hadar but i wonder if that's just a perpetuation of the i i feel like slightly manipulated sometimes that the writers want me to like the jim hadar so much but they are so likable so what am i supposed to do you know <laughs> yeah, well sorry they, they did their us, job well james i don't i think that we <laughs> like that they're just not faceless thugs they're bad guys that they have mm-hmm. that they yeah. have their own stuff going on is what makes them interesting. Yeah, yeah. A man's got to have a code, and they have a code. Yeah, right. They're. I mean, yeah. And you know, they are. They're these like terrifying shock troops of the Dominion. But even in this episode, the third attack Kalan or whatever is like. Well, you know, he says later on, it's like we're usually we're ahead of more of what the Vorta. We're mm-hmm. more ahead of the Vorta than they give us credit yeah. for. But, you know, we're good soldiers. We do what we're told. It makes for a really interesting episode. I mean, I and it also, for the first time in a while, like, where, like, the B-plot and the A-plot don't super, I mean, they don't, they're not, like, they don't interact. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, but, like, they're very much the same thing about are you going to allow yourself to be a part of a hypocrisy and is there glory in that? And there's sort of two different sides of that. Oh, how they married the themes but not the plot. Yes, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they don't do that very well. And no. if they do it, it's always like, it's always no. like on the theme of, uh, you know, growing up or, you know, some sort of vague bullshit. Right, right, right. Or getting along with your buddy, like having the roommate yeah. episode and then having <laughs> yeah. Odo and, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but this is like it's about like how do you confront a system and is there a glory in being uh, like a, a noble tool in a flawed system or is it you know like what what is the what is the virtue of duty and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I and I feel like that this episode does a really good job of navigating that on two different sides so yeah no I mean I yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just the vacation talk, but I really like because I watched this before vacation and I came back and watched it. I liked it really a lot both times. Mm-hmm. If I have like one thing, it's like that I, I'm starting to have this sort of guttural revulsion to that goddamn canyon. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> you're sick of the like, yeah, uh, just don't, as long as you don't 
just don't let that bleed over to your. Don't develop a hatred of the cave set. That's all I'm saying. I, well, I, <laughs> oh, the cave set got an upgrade, guys. Did you notice that? Uh, no. It's got running yeah. wa- running water dripping from the stalagmite. It's got oh, a water feature. Nice. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, yeah, it's just a value-added thing that you can put in uh, to increase your equity. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, they, tell me they redid the bathrooms. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So I, I like these uh, Ronald D. Moore excursions on what is... You know, what is duty and what is a soldier and what is, mm-hmm. you know, the making of, uh, yeah, we would say a man, even though now that seems so horribly, you know, right. reductionist. What is, but, what is a man? What makes a man? But yeah, I mean, it Mr. is like, what, what is, is the duty of a man and what, you know. A man, sometimes there's a man. Sometimes there's a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say a hero. Are you going to catch on the what I'm doing here now? <laughs> Um, well played. <laughs> but yeah, no. So so we're all in agreement on this? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I this think is kind so. of an unassailable uh, episode. So, boy, since in in the card, this is the third straight episode we've all been. Yeah. Of. It's talking about like the serialization. It's still, I mean, it's still, it's, it works pretty well as a standalone episode, but it's still, you know, it's, yeah. it feels like it's a continuation of the last episode because the last episode is when they get all their systems taken out, their warp core is down, their communications don't work, and and they're being chased by Jim Hadar, and that's where this picks up. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's directly serialized. Yeah. And one of the things that, like, in speaking of that, um, I'll just read this for straight from Memory Alpha. Although following directly on A Time to Stand, this episode was filmed after part three of the arc, Sons and Daughters, so they filmed next week's episode huh. and then did this and to accommodate a shooting location obviously to, to make they wanted to shoot on the 128 degree day <laughs> sure, sure obviously this made an already complicated situation worse and as Arnold D. Moore explains the sto- station storyline on sons and daughters changed while they were doing it which meant that my station based storyline had to reflect that change. We couldn't keep it straight in our heads and we tried to step on each other. So basically it's just showing that there is they this show you can see how a writer's room and a production staff wasn't ready to do oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of serialization. Like that there's a that's a skill set that like you have to like sort of establish early on. Oh yeah. And that there was some sort of struggle with doing that, especially if you have to shoot episodes out. Right. Of they didn't have it laid out and so, so like and then you change stuff on hmm. set and then Yeah. Maybe that's why later on when uh Danger Will Robinson was trying to change a line, it had to go through like fifteen different <laughs> people. <laughs> Like, right. Are you really? Are you changing the line? Yeah, change the line. Do you know we have eight scripts after this? What do you change the line to? <laughs> ah, yeah. Right, right. So uh, it seems that like some shit changed on Sons and Daughters, which I'm sure I'll read about when we get to that. Right. Yeah. And fucked all this shit up. So and, I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like that was a a stressor. Oh uh, yeah. On the set, a lot of stressors on this one. <laughs> a lot of stressors on. This. Yeah. The only reason Terry Farrell was taken out of this episode uh, was because she has, I forgot about this, she has like some sort of strange skin condition. She's like powder. Oh, right. That's why she can't wear the latex. She has a latex allergy. Yeah, well, no, uh, she has a sun allergy. Oh, shit. Oh, she, she's got a lot of allergies. Like. Yeah, so, and then when she was on the set, she had to walk around in par- in a, with a parasol, uh-huh. which made everybody mock her. <laughs> mockable but but what's she gonna do right she's she's just like a little goth there yeah Yeah, it was a weird weirdly low stakes injury 
where I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I watched it like four times. I like watched it like 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 John Madden was like going over. <laughs> like at no point did it hit anything but her ass. Like she busted through on her ass, and then a beam fell on her ass. And I'm pretty sure she doesn't keep the symbiote in her ass. That's so like, <laughs> Dander Cossacks, and then maybe yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I'm talking about like plot wise. Oh, it was kind of yeah. Plot wise, oh, yeah. her injury didn't do anything to the story at all. No, well, she was in last episode that they shot two episodes ago, so we know she's on the Jem'Hadar ship. But we we can't use her in this we one hundred twenty eight degrees, and she can't go outside without bursting in the flames. Yeah. So let's just have her damaged. Yeah, I guess. but don't make and, that a part of the story at all. Whereas, like, if you're taking if you know, it, it, it's the first time in Star Trek where somebody's gotten hurt. And the doctor says in the first act, I think she'll be okay. And throughout the whole thing, <laughs> she's okay. Yeah. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. And it leads to one of like, and now that I know that it was changed on set, like it made me wonder if Ronald D. Moore actually wrote it or if someone else did or was he under, was he a part of the stress period? But that like, I would wish you good luck. Oh. But uh, you doesn't sound like you're gonna need it. Woof. I have I have things in motion. Uh, so why don't you go ahead? And she goes, well, okay yeah. then. Good luck. And I was like, that's the worst <laughs> shit I've ever read. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's the worst dialogue ever. Right. I mean, they usually they usually don't have the writer on set, right? They I have, know. Like, a yeah, set writer. Like, Goddamn, Avery Brooks comes so up with dialogue, uh, can he? <laughs> right. Guys, actually, I I know that we we're we're honking on the script a little bit or what it up on screen, but the direction of the actual show is really well done. I mean, visually, they it was oh, well yeah. shot. I actually thought I liked. I, I, I didn't mind. I liked the the I'm your hotel <laughs> hotel service personnel Dax. Uh-huh. Well, they, let me check your sheets and your bedding, and it's it was yeah. kind of goofy, but it's fine. <laughs> I my one quibble is that I wish that you saw uh like if they were gonna make this huge weird deal about Brian ripping his pants. I know it's a minor thing, but why can't I watch the rant pants rip? Like, I almost felt like they were trying to like hide it, or it was like a set joke that they left in or something. He was in the the ship crashed. And I actually think he, that's, they had a funny sp- th- that's a funny thing. That, it's that not ever- saying it's not funny, but I'm saying that it's like it was like it was tactic. Well, let me they, just tell you a story. One time, one time on one Halloween in like 2007, I was like found myself in a, a waste treatment facility that was unfinished with open puddles of water and I had crawled through the water to get to the other side and I came out and all my clothes were ripped by the time I swam through this uh, sewage treatment plant waste pool. I was very drunk. Is this a real story? <laughs> bad, is this a real thing? That this happened? is a real story. <laughs> it's a real. I have too many drunk stories from my past. When we weren't talking in yeah. that like decade, <laughs> not that we were estranged, we just didn't talk. Sure, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I was lost and went on a drunken adventure where I ended up swimming through this pool of water, and there was all this debris and junk that is in the pool that I was swimming with. It was a weird scene, and I came out with all these scratches. I mean, did you get did you get cholera? You came out with cholera, right? <laughs> yeah, just a little just dysentery. A, just yeah. a <laughs> But no, I came out at the other end and, you know, my phone was ruined and whatnot. But I had all these tears in my pants and scratches on me 
But, you know, it happened when I was in the water. It would have been hard to see it happen. I don't know if that story is very illuminating or not. Yeah, but if I was making a movie about your night in the waste treatment plant, I would try to show it for Japan. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, it's just, it's a weird Well, I thing. was wearing a straight jacket, too. That was another note in the like, story. Like, it's a weird thing because I felt like, because they were trying to get that wide shot that showed the Jemadar bug seeking ship, sinking into the ocean, the, the CG ocean. I, I got to tell you guys, while we're talking about the ship, I really hate the design of the Jim'Hadar ships. It's like the worst thing. Really? It's the, so it looks I love so much it. like a big dumb it's, bug. They look like little June bugs to me. I like that they look like bugs. I think they look dumb. All I right. think You're, that's I don't fine. even think they look like <laughs> like I think that there's two ways you can go with it. You can make it cool look cool. You can try to make a cool ship. Why not? I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> or you can make them look like <laughs> nothing. Like that, you know, like the boar, they already did that with the Borg with the cube, but you can make it like, like, like a boring saucer or like a flying, you know, you can make it the boringest, sleekest, because they don't have chairs. They don't have, you know, it's not for comfort. It's not for design. You're not trying to like represent something through the architecture. Like, so. Well, there's no accounting for taste. What? (laughs) There's no accounting for taste. Some people might like it. Yeah. I am sure. I just think it looks stupid. I think it looks extra. I think they look great. I think it looks like like something that the Sharknado people could come up with. It's a low blow. It may be low blow, but I, I do hate it. And watching <laughs> it when you watch it sink and it looks so much like a like it gets clearly just a bug. Like that, it looks like it a looks bug. like a GoBot. That's also a low blow. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's fine. You're in Star Trek is a Star Trek has built its mo on having these sleek. That's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, you do this all day. The, I, do, I do like the fact that it doesn't look like it's from the Alpha Quadrant. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. it has that going for it. It does look different than the Yeah, other. but why aren't they just like big, yeah. like they're just big rods or like this faceless thing just, or something? Because they, I don't know, that's what they look like. But yeah, I just wanted to, th- I've been trying to say, I, I do have one angry nerd corner from the, the opening credit, cold open. Okay. They're like, oh, we're being chased by these Jim Hadar. Let's go hide in this dark matter nebula. I mean, especially in 1997, we dark matter people still don't know what it is, but like a dark matter nebula is not a thing that yeah exists probably. And it's like they get into it and there's no exploration of what the dark matter is. It's just purple clouds that they, the Jim Hadars don't go into. And I don't know. I mean, that just, scientifically i guess they're just like nobody knows what dark matter is we can say it, it is whatever it is mm-hmm. but that was kind of uh kind of lame it is kind of lame and if you're just gonna <laughs> like have dark matter be a thing in the show which i mean it, it's something in space but it may not it may be intangible but i mean if you're gonna have it it's 75 percent of space right exactly yeah exactly so, so how come it this... should be like yeah. they should be talking about it all the goddamn time <laughs> like, if right if... and and if the whole matter that we have with dark matter right now and this scientific knowledge that we have right now is that we know it's there but we can't see it or measure it or mm-hmm. get it figure it out like but then it's just purple clouds that we can see and they didn't know about dark energy I mean, then that, that was like 2000 no 10 or 12 or something yeah that's so they didn't know about that then, right but like yeah it was right yeah it, it, so um yeah i yeah so that's a that's my angry nerd corner we get some character pairings with we get the nog and garrick are together this episode even when they they crash uh o'brien tears his pants 
And it's almost like he doesn't realize he tore his pants until they get out. So that's, an, that's another. What is the point of the pants tearing scene? I don't hate to talk about the pants tearing scene for another second, but what is the point of the pants tearing scene? If not to be funny. It is it is to be funny. It's because they almost, it's, I thought it was a great sense of levity and these dark, you know, like, oh shit, we almost died. We had to crawl out. And the thing that you notice is the stupid thing that's not really that big a deal. He's like, you know, it's the minor things you're, they just had to swim for their lives in a ship that's sinking, and he gets there to the shore, and the first thing he notices is this, oh, shit, I tore my pants, son of a bitch. And, and then they all he realizes how silly that is, and they all do, and they all have a good laugh. But I know I thought that was a really nice moment, personally, that the things that you notice, mm-hmm. you know, and that you react to, and then realizing in the greater context how silly that is. And I don't know, I thought that was a really... I like that touch a lot. I didn't, I didn't mind it. I just, it seems like it, it's one of those things where it's like, do, I don't know, like do something with it. Like it would have been a good idea to like, see, like, I think that what they were trying to do, I think if you ask Ronald E. Moore, he would say that he was trying to show a contrast between the community that's built amongst a looser, more, and I, like let's say small L libertarian group of military organization <laughs> and then like a highly authoritarian vertical thing that the the Jimadar had. Really? Uh, to where they could have this I sort guess of that's banter a boy. about pants. I mean that's he, that's I mean you're you're right that if you wanna get all yeah, I mean you might not be wrong, but I think it was mostly I think that that's what Ronald D. Moore would say that he was trying to write if you I don't know. That, I think if it didn't just happen on I, set to stretch out not filming the war. I, know, I, I think it's end. just. I think it's just a bit of color that I think that's like those real kind of moments that you don't think about. Just, I think it's just wrong, hitting those notes. What I'm, what I'm critiquing is that it's. It could be integrated into the sort of vascular system of the episode in a way that would have been more pleasing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not critiquing the moment. See, the moment itself was great. And Colmini gave Colmini a beat. Right, right. But at this moment, he's the guy who didn't want to kill the Jimadar at the end and got his pants. <laughs> that's his. That's his character of beats. Uh, I think and, making a big thing out of it is too much to do with it. It's a. It's a just a light touch. I don't think it should be. Yeah, but I, I, it would big, be neat to have a similar show of the Jimadar. But I don't think that there. But like, I mean, you can't do it too. Like, you don't want to have a Jimadar guy rip his pants and then see how right. Phil Morris is that the actor's name? Yeah, like responds to it. Ramada Clamada. Uh, uh, like yeah. responds to it, but like it's a higher level of critique. It's it's episode isn't dog shit. So like I'm gonna critique it like it's like it's a good episode, and it just seems to me that like that yeah that hung out there is like I I don't think I agree. I think it was a perfect just note of color, and it's like idiosyncratic kind of touch that feels real to me. That is what mm. is good in the dramatic kind and of it series. is a, and it is a testament to like. Yeah, I don't want to, like, again, I don't want to overanalyze. This is a perfectly interesting scene because it's not tied into a lot of other shit. Um, like, it's one of those things that could probably, like, if you think about, like, how modern television would have filmed it, they probably would have had an underwater camera that had filmed his pants rip. They probably would have had some bit of comical pratfallness, which this episode didn't have. I mean, it's, he just, he does his job, and then he looks at his pants are ripped and then throws a weird fit. And you see his pants are ripped for, like, a half a second in a frame. Yeah it's pretty it's pretty empty of consequence and it is like i, I get you everything you're saying about it is right you're not wrong mm-hmm. what i'm saying about it is that 
that's not a like it seems like that like you could have pushed that further and i don't know. i guess but like I, I, yeah it's one of those things where it just seems like it came out of nowhere and it, in, it, it entered into nowhere you know it floated off into nowhere i don't know for me i think it was just a nice touch that i don't think they should have done much else with we're probably going to get an episode about those a sequel to that just about the pants so i want probably... more i want more pants <laughs> yeah. ripping. no i don't want more pants ripping i just would have like i i i I, I wonder why is Ronald Lee Moore writing the scene and then like what did he want to show with it and like did he really go with it where Well it, it gets back to my whole thing with serious drama you have to have levity in it mm-hmm. like you need to hit jokes Yeah well I mean somebody does hang themselves later we could talk about that <laughs> Yeah yeah No I know that I'm not saying that it's not I mean what, I, I agree with what Wade's saying I, I guess that I guess I'm saying that I'm not saying that it should be serious Right right I'm not saying that it can't be a joke I'm not saying that anything is wrong with the scene I think it was a little <laughs> like I I would have liked to have seen the action beat How it was unpacked instead of just being told about it how it was unpacked. Yeah, okay, like, there's done. nothing wrong with the scene. I'm saying that like it's just <laughs> okay. like you could have made it like part of the Jimadar storyline. I think you're right though. What you said about it's showing showing the differences between the organizations is probably yeah yeah. yeah I think that's what he wanted to show is that Cisco has this light touch on on authoritarian authoritarianism, and that's why that's why he deserves. The loyalty to his command, where the void, where the Vorta doesn't. Well, and even to your point, both of your points, <laughs> he, he he reminds them in a fit at the end that it's not a democracy when they start debating whether or not they. Oh yeah, yeah. That, and, and it, that light mood that like everybody's been lulled into this sense of like camaraderie, <laughs> and, and he's like, "Well, and we, I liked that. Yeah, I liked that too. I liked that because that was this like that's let's the other forget. side of it. Like, yes. like yeah. there's a there's a there's this isn't a vote. <laughs> probably more than any other character other than Worf, but it's all confused with Worf's sense of honor. Is that oh, Cisco and O'Brien have the most traditionally employer employee relationship yeah, of the entire cast. They do. Uh-huh. <laughs> like so I I think that like these moments play better when it's like O'Brien like when Cisco's given an O'Brien a, a little bit of a leash, like a little lead on the leash line, and then pulls it back. Um Well he did that last episode too. Right. Where he's t- where oh, O'Brien yeah. was on the bridge of the Defiant was belly aching about how he's tired of retreating and then oh, Cisco yes. told him Yeah you yeah. know, put a lid on it, you know. Yeah. Right. And O'Brien kinda does that with Nog in this too at the beginning. He's like the damn things not working and this other damn thing's not working and then nog is like well i'm trying over here but this damn thing's not working and then brian's like watch your mouth nog mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a nice i, I, do, I do <laughs> like nog is aaron eisenberg is a, just a gem on this whole show he really is yeah and the nog garrick the dynamic <laughs> i mentioned earlier you know like they crawl out of the water together and then they get captured but then they have the call back to that yes your favorite Impact Noir episode? Yes, because uh, yeah, I do at least like them to acknowledge a little bit that no one would ever get over the events of Impact Noir. No one involved with Impact <laughs> right. Noir would get over the events of Impact Noir as quickly as the show would want us to. 
and that they they tip their hand a little bit to that but i i don't know i do i i do yeah. see a little bit of the of the of the structure of trying to keep garrick well you have to keep pushing the envelope with garrick oh, yeah. i mean that's been my critique with him is like it's the same with court is that you have to keep pushing the envelope with him but he's a fan favorite so you can't break whatever you can't break what everybody loves about the guy yeah you can't break the comp right. the contract that you have with the uh, with the fans who like him is that you can't ever push him too far to where he breaks that line but you really you're only at that point and and my point with i think they do it by just character assassination with quark by just making him a weak a weaker character than he should have been and Garrick, I feel like that they just they they push him to those limits, and then they go, "Oh, it's okay. It's, 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 he's, he's he's possessed. He's right." And it, his I mean, daddy was his daddy made him to do it. You know, like that kind of shit. <laughs> right. Well, he tells Nogs like, "Well, there were extenuating circumstances, and there was extenuating circumstances." <laughs> And Nog is like, I don't give a shit, man. You almost killed me. And that's what Garrick's tombstone I'm, says. But there was extenuating <laughs> Right. I was like, oh, but you know, you can walk beside me or in front of me, but I won't let you mm-hmm. uh, you know, I won't let you behind me anymore. And then like three scenes later he runs in front of Garrick. <laughs> well, I make I make a lot of I make a lot of bold statements that I don't feel like I'm keeping. <laughs> right. so, in that way, Nog is very much yeah. like like me. The last thing is because it's the '90s, everybody has to have a catchphrase. So Garrick says, "There might just be hope for you yet," and that's good. <laughs> We're not so I, different, gonna, you and I. I'm gonna confess something here. I think I hate Garrick as a character. Is it because they made him Urkel? Yeah, <laughs> I think if I have any affinity, I have affinity to performance. The the performance stylings of Andrew Robinson, but I think I hate Garrick as a character. Well, just you can just know that you're in the minority there. And oh, I know, I know, but I like I I think I think he's a real I think he's a real weakness on the show. He's the best. Well, he's what what, (laughs) disagree. I like Garrick as a character. I don't think he's a weakness. I do think they overplayed their hand with him a bit. Because he works best when he was a genuine mystery to the audience. Like, I don't give yeah, two yeah. shits about Wolverine's origin story. Or the fact that his name's not really Logan or whatever. But that... but, but <laughs> I'm, I am... You're right. You're right on this. I am, I am constantly irritated when someone refers to him as James Howlett or yes, whatever. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck is oh, this? Is that Wolverine? <laughs> right. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all, are, y'all, y'all pay more attention to comics than me. I didn't realize it. He's not okay. Well, that you're right. He that's, goes by some other fucking name now. Like, I mean, he's still. Oh, no, it's because he's like a clone or the time travel no, version. No, I mean, of, he's yeah. like 200 years old. I, and never mind. Like I don't want the answer. Never mind. Canada, don't tell me, please. He was the groundskeeper's kid. And don't. I don't need to know. So anyway, <laughs> I guess my point is, is that when we were growing up, oh god, I'm sounding like an an old now. But I mean, there was a point <laughs> where my day. right where. Wolverine didn't know stuff about himself, and he was that was one of the things that made him interesting. He was a lot more interesting, right? You Mm. didn't know that, and given that he could pop up anywhere in continuity, like he could have served in World War II with Cap or whatever. I mean, because we, man of mystery, he was ageless, you didn't know anything. Like, I mean, if you go back and read just straight Claremont X Men, 50 issues into his like joining the team they're still coming up with like powers that he had like they were really slow <laughs> right like i think his mutant power in the first episode was blades came out of his hand 
Oh, and the and that whole uh, or, epi- or yeah, even comic. in the first uh, all news, all difference, like like mm-hmm. everything about well, it. Was it, a blank it the thing about it is that Garrick mm-hmm. has got a similar problem. Is that we know yes. we know that yeah, Garrick yeah. essentially killed a kid at a soccer game, and we know in the, all that and acting <laughs> oh, like God. there's a uh, mystery behind him is sort of silly at this point. He can't just be openly Garrick because it's not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Garrick. Is still great. Yeah, but yeah, he, you're right. He, Andrew does Robinson, look, I, but he's, at this point, he's just shtick though. It sticks great though. I and mean, Andrew <laughs> Robinson is great, and and Garrick, the stuff with his dad would have been cool in the season seven. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, it's great. It would be great better if we did if he was still a mystery. Yeah. But I think his scenes still work, and you know, it is shtick we've seen before. I'll give you that. But I still think, I still think he's great. Let's go back to DS Nine, the, the station that the show the is show about. The show that we know and love, and the locations that we know and love. Right. And Kira waking up at 0500. It's a day in the life. You get the world that you get used to with having Jim Hadar, and she looks in the mirror and gets her coffee from Mavic. And then we get into the like the the real shit. I like that she has. I do like that she has a Cardassian assistant. Which yeah. I think that's kind of a, like a Peggy Olsen with the, like, walking into, was it McCann Erickson? Is that where she went? Yeah. Uh-huh. With the with the it's box, true. with the octopus blowing the lady painting. Like, uh-huh, I think uh-huh. that that's like, I, I think that like that could have been that kind of scene for her is that she does have this sort of position of power. Uh, She's the highest the, ranking Bajoran on the station, right? And, right, and right, right. Probably one of the highest Bajoran, I mean, because she's the liaison to the Dominion, she may be one of the highest ranking or most pivotal like military members in the whole... Bajorans. You don't see a lot yeah. of other military guys, do you? No, I mean, they don't I, I think that's by design by the Cardassians, at least. No, know? I mean, like I don't, I don't, I don't like even before. I don't think they've done. No, a lot of you can't, you can't. They're they're just Odo's deputies are the only other Bajoran officers yeah, that you yeah. see. Yeah, you don't get like a Bajoran four star general that like comes in and bitches Kira out for not doing her TPS. No, right, I think she is like the the major is the four star general of. Yeah, I mean, she's the major, you know, and um, she's what's fucking his name? the president. Yeah, she before right, right, the second high she was, yeah. Now she's she's fucking the Hitachi magic wand again. And then we get the Jake scene, like with the you know he's doing his interviews. I do and, have to admit, I feel like I eat a little bit of crow because I thought those Jake scenes were perfect or no yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. This he, week, he, he, that, that's what I thought. So uh, you know, he through the eyes of a journalist, you could see how the regime change uh, and I know goes that, down. Like, yeah. I've yeah, I've already compared Jake to a, a journalist under you know under the Trump regime or whatever. But like I, I really did see that like, you know, part of them I wish that they had they were everything about the Jake scene was no perfect until the last scene. Or last line where he goes, wrong question, Jake. Like he pissed off. But oh, like because yeah, yeah. I think like shouldn't he be like Hunter S. Tom or Matt Taibbi or something and like pushing these buttons. He's trying right. to let them yeah. know, hey guys, you are complicit in this shit instead yeah, of accidentally yeah. making them aware of their complicity. But I do feel it like it was like Kira as a as a Sarah Huckabee Sanders kind of. I was about role. to say Sarah. She has this like, oh fuck, I'm fucking Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. Like, this 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 interview is over. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
there was a lot of misstatements said when the president, yeah, but like, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. Her kind of realization, her, you know, like, are, are we the baddies? <laughs> are we the baddies? <laughs> her Mitchell and Webb Everything moment. about her plotline in this episode was not only really, really well done, but, but, it, but important. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, you know, she's going from being the occupiers and then i mean to get to the what the fuck does vietnam have to do with anything well what the fuck does anything have to do with vietnam (laughs) we have 400 uh you know green berets coming in to be uh bajor to uh you know just be liaisons it's kind of it felt very vietnam and then you have the monks not setting themselves on fire but you definitely have that that was the the monk setting himself on fire in front of that was definitely what that reference was yeah so uh and she gave that speech where i didn't I didn't watch my friends dive face down in the mud. I did not watch my brother <laughs> dive <laughs> down in the muck, so they just fucking scrub uh, uh, I'm clearly like in third place at this point. I think I've only made one reference. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to Hugh's point, this was mostly a story told visually. Yes, and that's why I looked up the director, because I'm like, this... This is has got a little touch of uh, the visual more so. It's not just like a talking, <laughs> you know, uh, mm. torso shot. You know, everywhere yes. where it's just mm-hmm. two people talking in a, <laughs> and you, you have their their torso up. But yeah, this guy directed just a ton of TV. And that's that's yeah. I mean, like X Files, uh, RoboCop, the TV series. One Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> He's just like a workhorse, huh? Well, but I guess like he he knows how to he knew what he's doing. Like I think that's the case of just being like a a craftsman. They have a thing with people going off the balcony in the promenade. I guess that's happened before, but uh, there. Yeah, have we had another suicide? That, on the, no, it was uh, Keiko when she was possessed by a pirate, and also that. Um, Vedic, when the new emissary came in, the Vedic pushed the guy, the low caste guy, over the balcony and killed You're him. Right. I yes. Pushed yes. Oh yeah, those balconies are dangerous, man. Yeah, there's also like early on there was a Robo Pope episode where he's having visions, where the guy is hang hung himself over the promenade back in the occupation, and that's why Pope uh, Alpaca. Kai Alpaca knew about why they they did it or whatever. That was way back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because that was the that was the Vietnam episode, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that we argued about the. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, where we. That was the yeah. other Vietnamese. Yeah. The Viet Cong. Yeah, but the guy hung him. The Vedic hung himself because of whatever reason. So I mean, it's they should put better guardrails up at the promenade or something. I don't know, because that's what. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to make a statement? You kill somebody by throwing them over the balcony, whether to break their neck or on the end of a rope. This is why I think that we've made this like it's a great story, and I'm not. This is a this is a nitpick. This was a note that I would give uh, if I was in the writers' room. This is a note that I would say about this uh-huh, scene: uh-huh, uh-huh. is that you're clearly referencing, and I don't know, like. I feel like me and Ronald E. Moore probably watch the same shit on television. So I, I, I feel like he, you know, he's clearly referencing the monk who set himself on fire in front of Robert McNamara right. and what that meant to the, the visual of what that meant to the Vietnam War and how that, that plus Tet changed America's views of it. That guy set himself on fucking fire and just sat there. Like, it's pretty crazy. Right. But, um, yeah. I, he's clearly making that reference, and when you're going to make a reference like that, I almost feel like you can't they, go less extreme. They also have to work within budget. Oh sure, and sure. effects. 
But no, I mean, I I agree. Like that you're right, was, but I I feel like they could have like they probably got shut down by production if they tried to go any bigger. It's like we can't But the problem that. is, is that you're like, oh, I get what they're doing, and they're making a reference to this, and then you're like, oh, well, like now I'm thinking about that, and this is so less extreme and interesting than that. Uh, I mean, it's just a person hanging themselves. Where if it wasn't, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I, I don't know. Like it's one of those problems where if you reference something, you have to like nail it. You know, and you can't like you can't let a you yeah. can't let a compromise I, sort of affect it because you're you're already right. introducing something else into someone else's mind. Like that's what we mean. Well, Hugh always talk about things that take us out. That's that's right. how that works, as opposed to like being synergistic I, with referencing. I, I I agree, but at the same time, you can't just do the same thing. You know, like yeah, you got you got go like more. it's also it's existing in this fictional universe. It's not a one to one. You want, but. Mm. It can, you know, it still can evoke that without I having... I think that was a one-to-one. That's as close as a one-to-one as you get. I mean, it's pretty close, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I I agree. I agree that they could have done something <laughs> mm-hmm. different. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just wary that they could have given the restrictions. You can't, you can't light of, a guy on of, fire. I mean, I get that. Right, right. And I get that you don't want to see it CG and you don't want to see some, like, prop guy running. You know, I actually thought it was as tasteful as it yeah. was going to be. It told, it, tasteful, yes. I'm not talking about taste, but yeah, I, yeah. But impactful, I don't know. But yeah, yeah I, but, I mean, it was tasteful and effective because you have that shot of the rope and, and it's slow enough that by the time you real, like, your mind lo- yeah. realizes what right. you what you're what you're seeing yeah. i thought it was it was really paced really well i thought the and shots it's a famous shot it's a famous event in deep space nine so yeah I, you know and you know and like you could have gone really big and made it real gruesome but could you have done that in 1997 like uh, maybe not gruesome is not the way to go i thought it still was i still think it was Edgy, edgy as hell, like I mean, ineffective. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, like I mean, now was, nowadays, if they did yeah, it, I, it would be like a full like a uh, Hannibal evisceration and gratuitous and just you know like oh we have to go big with you know if it were Game of Thrones or it would just been like oh my god that's oh so shocking oh my yeah god. it would have been more spectacle I I maybe that's just me being ultimately being if it was Game of Thrones it would have been a dude jacking off and setting himself a fire at the same time <laughs> <laughs> right I think it would have been like a whole full draw and quartering like 10 minute oh, scene yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, you're not wrong you guys aren't wrong and, I, and it's not about yeah. the scene's not about the goddamn nun who's hanging herself the scene is about yeah Kira. right but Way to make it all and, about and, you, Kira. You know, she even says that. She says that later. No, Odo, it's not about, this is about me. She, that's a line she has in the... Well, that's because she has that conversation. It is about her. It is about her because the, the nun said, I will make you see. And then they mirror the day in the life. She wakes it up at 0500 and she looks in the mirror and says, oh, fuck my, fuck my life, FML, what have I become? And then that's Yeah, when and I mean, to be honest, I, I think that like, to be fair to that, that monk, if you've asked him what he's trying to do, he would say he's trying to make an impression up on Robert McNamara. And right. that, I mean, he did. I mean, I don't know. I, I Enough that he mentioned it in the goddamn Fog of War, but like, right, right. he talked about it at length at the Fog of War, but like, uh, and I think it made him, I mean, I think didn't Robert, that publicly changed Robert McNamara. I think he may have quit not long after that. But um, he tried to pull back and then Johnson, Johnson, uh, yeah, yeah, put him saw on something else. It became else. a political thing with Johnson and Humphrey. See, they made him head of the World Bank after that. I, I just watched that part of the uh, Vietnam documentary, so yeah, I think yeah. that's right. <laughs> 
Ah, it's a great documentary though. But um, it is, yeah. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to bitch about for a second. Yeah, yeah. It's about Odo and Kira's relationship. Oh, it's on uh, hold until after the. Uh, no, I just Odo is like, what have they done to that character? I don't. Okay, know. I got a larger point about. I've got a larger point about this. What they've done is they've they've done a switch, a bait and switch, where for the rest of the ostensibly for the rest of the series, the television show, Odo is no longer the special man of the show, yes. and Bashir is actually the special man of the show from here on out right i liked in the odo scene because we all know odo is a fascist and then when kira was like i'm starting the resistance back up odo was like you can't do that that'll blah 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 i'm a fascist i believe yeah. in order and then she's like you, you're either with me or against me and he makes the choice to not be a fascist because of love because he's like okay well I could stay a fascist and and I'm signing. He literally says, last week you told me to do something else. And she goes, I know, but now I'm telling you this. He goes, okay. I'm just like, like literally, like, what the fuck is your deal? Like, character? Well, because he's on, he's in love with Kira. Uh, he's going to uh, uh, I don't I mean, yeah. That. I'm telling you what it is. That is what grounds him to, to the cause of their cause. Yeah, it's, exactly. That yeah. Kira is what, is what keeps him from being a founder. But okay, so if we're going to make the case that being a 12 year old who accidentally kills another 12 year old is not, is, is cheap. <laughs> I'm not making that cat say that's stupid. That's an to awful make scene. Their, to I make them it. have our overarching character narratives that nope. because of the effect of being a 12 year old who killed a 12 year old. Are we saying that like the effect of one of the most pivotal characters to have ever been in the Alpha Quadrant is basically just the weakest form of beta male Stacy Slade? Uh, that every incel what? no would it's the it's no it's the i'm saying that love is powerful and great and all you need is love man <laughs> that's not love that's like that's that's different odo that's loves kira like... and he's he changes he he puts his fascism aside and he decides i don't know it's like you said it's what keeps him from being a founder but i think that's weak sauce i don't especially I think... since it's like this like it's not a developed love it's a cheap love Lenin? Lenin? All you, it's like Lenin. I am the walrus. <laughs> You're out of your element, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I am the walrus. Shut the fuck Vlad, up, Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. Vladimir Ilyanov. <laughs> no, um, what the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. I just think that that... I, I think that we are... I think that the writers are doing a lot of things right now. Uh-huh. And they're doing really a lot of things really well. And one of the things that they're doing is create is writing a situation for characters that we spend a lot of time with. To be embroiled in. You built a, you built a good sure. ship. You've got a lot of characters that we're invested in. Let's sail that ship into rough, rough waters. But one of the things that they're not... I mean, maybe they do it later. I don't know. But one of the things that I felt like over the last five episodes or whatever is that basically since that the Revelation episode, the Children of Time or whatever fuck, where she finds out that he's... I, I, they've literal like i'm not i don't god damn i don't want to sound like the quartering or or sargon of a cod but they've neutered this character to the point where he has no character other than his love his unrequited love <laughs> so far for a character whose storyline is not about him kira's storyline is not about Odo. oh i will say but that odo's story is almost entirely about kira which is a weakness and an imbalance in a character which you you have a really good actor and a really interesting story structure for a character to interact with with situations that's going on, but you can't get over this goddamn puppy love thing. I agree that I'm not the biggest fan of the Kara Odo ship, but I see what they're doing, and 
I think it works better than, say, writing a scene for a character where he's totally explained by how he killed a 12-year-old in a soccer game. He's not totally explained. <laughs> I feel like you feel like that, like, are you denying when we say that he's not totally explained? I, the, the, no, no, I'm, I'm putting a, bud, a stop in this. We're not rehashing that right now. That's a bonus podcast because we don't have time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, again, I feel like you're discounting all of the points we've ever made about it. But uh, no, I'm not. I really will. We can hash that out later because I'm not discounting everything. You keep saying, but but do we not think that what we're watching is because we can't argue that? I mean, I'm gonna have a lot to say about way Worf's character is handled by the writing staff next week, but um, because that kind of comes to a head, right? But I do think that, like, do we not think that we're watching a really, really weak sauce version of? Like a major character? Yes, I do. Okay. I, I actually, I've had this point that I was, I've been waiting to make about how Deep Space Nine has done a lot of stuff right over the course of its entire run. But mm-hmm. one of the things it was never able to do is to have every single one of its characters fire on all cylinders. Yeah. So even if you were going right. to make the case that Bashir is fixed now, and I'm not, and I am personally not making that case, but if someone mm-hmm. were to make that case... I think we can... Well, you, uh-huh. you want to make the case that Dax is fixed? Yeah, Dax is yeah. definitely fixed. Sure. Yeah. So that's a clean Dax, well, let, let, No, let's just say Dax is fixed and Bashir is fixed. We still have uh, two characters who are being mishandled. Like Kara's hamstrung by this thing, mm-hmm. even though she's used really well in this particular episode. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Odo is completely... Right. Well, here's how I see it. Like, you're writing a show, they're making choices with these characters and following through on the choices that they've made about these characters. They're not the best choices, I think, to have made with where these characters go, but they're following through on their vision of what they've plotted out for these characters. Like, the Odo, but it it does, it's, I don't like that Odo kind of gets subsumed by his love for Kira the way that he does but that's kind of where they've chosen to go with the character and they're writing it to the and they do that with Cisco and what some people don't like with where Cisco goes and they do that even with Ducat like, oh yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah yeah like they're they have the and they're writing themselves and you know like they're making choices and they're writing into them and like in a very specific micro sense, like you you can point out, it's like, well, that's why they did this, and that's why they're going this scene, and they're the math of why they wrote this that way. But then once you get the macro view and kind of look at it in the bigger picture, you're like, oh, that's what we're doing with this podcast, I guess, when we're mm. criticizing. It's like, oh, wish they hadn't done that. I wish they'd done this instead. It would be one thing. I don't remember enough, but like I, I think I remember where it goes. But like it would be one thing if Odo started feeling like like I get that like when somebody wants to dote on you and do whatever you say, you tend to want to use them in that purpose, maybe even thoughtlessly. And like if the plot was going to a place where Kira was just using Odo as a tool in this resistance against the Dominion and Odo isn't interesting in being that tool for her. And then he removes that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Like after building all of this sort of storyline, but I don't think it goes there. Like, I think that you're supposed to think that Odo's virtue is being siphoned off of Kira's virtue. Well, I mean, I feel like and it's his like story is just a, like, I, I'm not using, I, I don't want to use 
I, I would say me too a year ago, but now I guess I need to say me also. So it doesn't get confused with sexual harassment or whatever, uh, or rape culture. But like, like I, I feel like that he's now a me too character. Like, I think we should dig in and do what Cisco says. And then he goes, me too. And then she says in this episode, I've gone through a personal journey and I feel different. And he goes, well, I, I me, me too. Like, and right. Well, I see, I see it like that's you're right. But also like he's going along with Kira and he's kind of subs- being subsumed by her and her choices. He's like just agreeing to go along because he's a puppy dog after. But at the same time, she's right. And yeah, I know he's decided yeah, she's right. he's going against his kind of fascist tendencies. But it know? weakens him to right. not have these have his own agenda for wanting. Right. I mean, his because his his point of view is just kind of just blended yeah. into hers. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. And he's like, yeah. like he's essentially her Damar during this whole storyline. <laughs> yes. And that's yeah. not. But luckily, she's the good guy, and I I relate to her side, so it. For me, it doesn't. Well, the only difference is that Damar's got his own ambitions and hopes and needs. But and you wants. don't know that right now. But right, you don't right. know that right now. So they actually go somewhere with Damar that they don't go to with the main character, <laughs> Renee Edgerman. I know. Like, I know. You let, I, you, it, let it, it, you let Torres' <laughs> husband, yeah. who spent the weekend hanging out with Jordan Hoffman. Jordan Hoffman! <laughs> <laughs> okay all right moving on uh, um but you don't actually do anything with renee Echevar- or like not renee Echevarria, renee how many renees are on this Aubergenois. like you don't do anything with that character right. like, with that actor and that role and the role is important right. it's very pivotal to everything that's going on yeah and i just feel like they whiffed on it yeah i mean i agree just well i mean i think they do some things well with him later possibly. on but i don't remember i mean possibly but the problem is i just don't like the kira ship but that's what they decided to do with it so that's never going to be the but most a ship rewarding doesn't have to like be character assassination are you saying that since odo has pursued this uh relationship with the care he stopped hanging out with you you guys don't hang out anymore <laughs> he's like, you don't he's not cool anymore he doesn't want to talk about fun things right. like being an interesting character and developing in an interesting capacity we uh, got a lot of we got a lot of a plot to talk about so i mean i feel like we've we can talk an hour about what we don't like about the odo character but he's not even the focus i feel like i'm laying seeds for points later too that i don't yeah, know it's, okay. it's <laughs> listen this that's that's just it is that I think that we're we're gonna see more of this come up, and that it's worth yeah, noting yeah. that Odo has been. Diminished. I just want to I just want to yeah, point yeah. out that I'm putting Odo's shitty character development on notice. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> duly noted, and yeah. Uh, but let's talk. I I think we need to talk about Keevan. Oh oh oh, Ira Kaplan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to talk about Keevan. Uh, uh, he Keevan gives me the best, my favorite part of this entire episode. Is whenever um, Bashir says oh, when he's doing the surgery says the plan about like you're just gonna lead all your men to their death and while well, you save your own skin, and then Keevan goes you so you do understand me <laughs> because right. it, he's got that sort of like uh, Bashir always has that sort of weird moralizing appalled accusatory little little bit and Keevan turns it around and I thought I thought that was yeah, yeah. fun. He's got like one bottle, one vial of white left and he knows all all the Jim Hadar are going to turn on him and kill everybody. Cisco, they have a prisoner trade because they got uh Nog and Garrick and then they uh uh Bashir has to do some surgery on the Vorta cuz the Vorta's wounded 
Uh, they have that ni- the nice touch when um, he's about to cut the Vorta open and uh, all the Vortas start crowding around, like, you know, like a, you know, around the manager at the target or whatever, I guess, <laughs> when he's about to do the surgery. Bashir's like, no, 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 I'm not going to hurt him. And then the Kievan, the Vorta's like, oh, no, they're, they're not worried about you hurting me. They've just never seen the inside of a Vorta before. That's a, that that's a nice. cool, that, that is a really cool element. So he's kind of a shady character. Oh, I mean, they even have like Cisco and, and third at Kalan are talking about the Vorta and, and Cisco is like trying to turn him the, like, look, man, I, I've seen Jim Hadar kill their Vorta before. And, and uh, third attack line is all about honor and duty. And he's not going to do that. It, the episode is ultimately about what I like things to be about, which is about like when shit gets tough, like what do you, what is the decision that you make? Sakira has to make that decision because she's doing the plan. She's playing her part. Everything about her part was smart. Cisco had a plan. But as it goes on, at some point, that plan becomes complicity. Uh, and, and like you, like, like she was going to, like at some point, Kira says, you know, what's the point of a protest? No one shows up or something like that. That her job is to like keep the good guys from being too good and like that has a logic at the beginning well because she doesn't want repercussions to fall back on she doesn't want them to suffer so she's she's like oh i, I was about willing to like forcefully take down a, per- a demonstration because i was trying to protect them but what yeah. the fuck am i trying to protect if i'm not letting them you know i'm being complicit with the oppressors basically yeah and I've, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast i feel like this concept of like you have this pragmatic plan that makes sense. And, and, I, and I, God, I hate doing this, but I, I hate that I always do this, but fuck it. It's my brand at this point. Let's take the Obama era of American politics. And I felt like early on, there was a lot of like, let's not go too fast. Let's not go too left. Let's not, you know. And so, and it ultimately in it ultimately ends with like let's, let's build a everybody shouting down impassioned leftists at the 2016 democratic convention and me being one of them like shut up you guys you're making us look bad like the plan is that we like this woman who helped start the iraq war we don't hate her right like, i feel like that maybe that's what like, like that's where kira was is that she early on she she probably thought she was young and dumb and full of not come. We don't know how Bajoran physiology <laughs> yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That venom and anger felt righteous to her, but now that she's smart and you know in a high up position, right. she sees like the the board is much more complicated. But like you know, and she gets reminded the board isn't that. There's bad guys. There's bad guys, and there's good guys, and you're helping. You them. get part of this entrenched in the the system or whatever, mm. and you're like, wait a minute, no. To really, and you know, part of it's like. To affect change, no, what we need to do is establish a consensus that everybody agrees on so that we can act on Mm -hmm. it, you know? And maybe that takes compromise because, you know, that's just how the world works. But then you get entrenched in that enough and then you find that you compromise yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where Akira ends up in this. And she's like, what the fuck am I doing? And that second 0500 when she wakes up and looks in the mirror, she's like, I've become part of the problem. And then she decides to go underground and start the resistance again. And Cisco and and third at Kalan, attack Kalan or whatever, have kind of a mirror of that where he's mm. like, Cisco is like, look, your boss does not have your best <laughs> he's interest. Openly in, trying to in, kill. In, he he's going to help me kill you. Kill right. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what? What is your loyalty? And, he's like, and then that's the other thing, 
is that there's no reason for it. It's just the system. It is the way it is. It's the yeah. order of things. Isn't that what they say over time? Yeah, they say, yeah that's are what he says willing, over and over why, again. Why are you it's, willing to die for the order of things? It's a really interesting look at extremi- extremism in the face of, a political extremity in the face of real extremity. <laughs> you know, and like, right, right. I, I think that Kira was, was re-put in a position. Like, I think for my whole life, I've kind of, hated Barry Goldwater. I mean, that's a weird thing for a 40-year-old man to say, you know, because I'm not 100. <laughs> so why do I care about Barry Goldwater? But like yeah, Barry, but who? he's more famous for saying this, you know, this line that, you know, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Uh-huh. And I've always felt that like that it's always been sort of the liberal position that that's a ridiculously dangerous phrase. And when he said it, right, it ruined right. his political career in the mid-60s because we were part of the great consensus. He's wrong because his ideas are wrong. But I, I don't I, that sentiment has a value. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it has a value. Right. In that Kira, if she's extreme against the Dominion or Cardassians at this point, she may be wrong a lot. But there's something about her attitude or that defiant front that is energizing to her side. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's missing that and her trying to tamp that down with like the Vedics and stuff like that. There is a there's a place for that in society, and I think that people hunger for that. Even when you can say, "Look, Miss Acacia Cortez, you're not going to get everything you want," or whatever. Hey, Bernie Sanders is pie in the sky bullshit. But I I I do think that there's a part of him. Hey, it's not that pie in the sky because people who say things are pie in the sky, they say them to the point where even realistic changes then they say are pie in the sky. Right. And so then everything becomes impossible, so then it becomes immovable. That's a that's a way authoritarians and entrenched systems manipulate masses. And one of the things that she needs to that, that she needs to say is, nah, fuck all this. I hate these people are bad guys and I want to see them fucking dead. And that <laughs> that is a part of a movement that ultimately should carry over. Right. Um, I think she has a realization about the power of 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 resistance that even when it's not practical, it has value more than preaching practicality. Right. <laughs> Which sounds ridiculous, but you, do you guys right. know what I'm saying? When, when practicality yes, is... Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, because preaching practicality uh, doesn't doesn't get anybody hard. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and to an extent, practicality just means siding with your oppressors. Well, that, that means if you start out of a position of compromise, then yes. Yeah. If you fall into a position of compromise, you've at least exchanged uh, your position for power. Where, where if you just start out like she's just been ingratiated into the Dominion's power. She hasn't fought right. to earn her own power. She's just now, like, yeah, she's but, just middle, I mean, she's got an assistant and she's got a comfy bed. Right. She doesn't, and she, she doesn't really have much control over the... She's a Vorta, basically. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have control over the Dominion's power. She just can, she's a... She's a face. She's 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 a tool for them yes. to to you know propagate their own power by using her as a, like a figurehead. Yeah. You know, yeah, but totally. she's doing it out of the right reasons to preserve suffering. Well, you want to be Kira. You don't want to be Ramada Klamada. Ramad Kalan. You don't yeah, want to yeah. be him because he he's a fucking victim of his own ideology. Right. Well, he's just like the look, man. I'm I'm an American, and I'm here. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm here, I, like, it's like blind allegiance to the flag or stuff, like, like, oh, you know, I don't know. No, 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 it is. It, it's like, like, it's hard for my dad, who, who is, you know, older and now entering into the, he's in that 
he's not 65 yet, but he's got health issues. So he's entering into that world of like horrible healthcare. But like when you say like, you know, no one else deals with this. Right. And it's like he, he, but he, he's like, no, this is the order. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and he goes, no, I will, Oof. I will pay all of this money for insurance Look. and deductibles <laughs> and tests and co-pays and wait because it's at least it's better than all the people who are getting it for cheaper and better. Like I don't know, like right. you know, but like it's the way yeah, of things. Yeah. Look, I know I look I know my leaders have you propped up in the hills to shoot me in the face. Mm-hmm. But I have to go with them because that's the order of things. And the tragedy know? is that he's smart enough to get it. Like at least yeah, at least yeah. you you go couldn't the founders manipulate these Jim and Dara to be dumber, but I mean, I, I like that there's this flaw that they're they're way smarter than the people around. Well, it's them. a trade off. You have to have them there. You have to have them to be smarter than right. their than their adversaries. Well, they but have they a, can't be. But you also want them to be smarter than their leaders. But yeah, um, right. dumber. They they leaders. operate under a code, which is what makes us like what endears them to us. Like yes, these guys have a code and they abide by it. Whereas we don't like the Vorta because the Vorta, Keevan, doesn't have a code at all. He's like, fuck these guys to survive. I'm going to let you kill them all. And you know what? I will be a POW in a cushy Federation POW, which I know you'll treat me nice. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, he's not even that loyal to the Dominion at yeah, that point. Yeah, like, oh, if, I, go. if I go into the Federation, maybe you'll... you'll uh keep me around as a bargaining chip for some Ferengi shenanigans later. Um, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking, but you know, whereas what Amat Kalan needs is just, just, a, just a pinch of that Vorta, like look after my own mentality, but yeah, his code is what we respect about him. The fact that, and that's what I deal in the end. Like it's kind of bitter. It's sad that he dies, ah. but we, I don't. I get that with, and I almost think that Ronald E. Moore wants me to, but no, I, I thought by putting Ramata Clamata up against Kira in this episode, like, I think it's a no-brain. Be, be, oh, yeah, be think, kids, be Kira in life. Don't be that dumb. Oh, fuck. totally, totally. But, yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all be little Kiras yeah, here. Yeah, okay. We're all Kiras here. Um, and I, but I do think that Ronald E. Moore wanted us to find something tragic in him. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, he's a really good actor. By the way, that actor is uh, like a fucking great. He's been in like other episodes of this show already. He was uh, he was the guy wanting to marry Quirk's uh, Klingon mistress in that episode. Oh yeah, that's yeah. yeah. He actually was a bo- like as a boy. He was in uh, a TOS episode called Miri. Yeah. He's been. Yeah. He wasn't in Enterprise, but if he was in Inter, he and he wasn't in the Next Generation, but he was in Search for Spock. He was in a TOS episode. He was in this huh. and and looking for Parmok, and then he was in a Voyager episode. So uh, huh. like he's pretty. I mean, like he's a good actor, and uh, he's uh, fuck. He's who is he? He's God someone... bless him for sweating all that latex into his eyeballs. Oh, he was Johnny Cochran on uh, Seinfeld. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Johnny Chili. Oh, I... Johnny Ch- Jackie look, Chili. Look, James, I yeah. don't see race because of all that Jackie latex. Childs. Makeup. Jackie Childs. Yes. <laughs> Jackie Childs. Yeah. He also played the Martian Manhunter on Smallville. Yeah. But nonetheless, I do like that the 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 the, the Vorta is quite a whiny cunt, and I thought that. Like he's kind of a veil son yeah. Vorta. Like I don't. He is because he's like, oh, I don't care about you. Um, I will go. You know, he's pretty willing to be a POW. Where the other, like, I feel like Wayun's loyalty to the founders 
would be a little bit different. Probably. Like, I don't know, but maybe. Also, one one other thing is, uh, do the do the Jimadar have invisibility because of the Ketracel White? Nah, I don't know, man. Because at one point, yeah, at one point well, he goes like, "Cloak yourself and go home," and he's like, "I, I can't." I can't, oh, I can't get yourself. it up right now. Shroud yeah, shroud yourself. Yes. And he goes, I can't, like, scratching at his neck, like, uh, like Dave Chappelle. Oh, I thought he lost the ability, like, he lost the technology. No, like- it was because he was withdrawing from white. Like, they, I mean, they do carry home that Tetrasil is a drug, where Keevan was like, oh, without the, because he says they'll be going through withdrawal soon. And once they go in it, they're But that would just be him, their right? apeshit, but, like, the idea that they get superpowers from the Tetrasil white is kind of, like, a unique... Oh uh, yeah. Well, I I didn't know if it was power. I mean, it's powered by the Ketracil, but also just because they're weaker, they don't have their natural strength to be able to do that. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that the Ketracil makes you according to memory gives alpha, you invisibility like power? all Jim Hadar functions. The ability to shroud was regulated by the presence of Ketracil White. Oh, Jim Hadar, who had endured prolonged periods without the drug, eventually lost their ability to shroud. Such degeneration in their abilities revealed the severe withdrawal. From the addiction to Ketracil White, an indication that death was not far Right, but whether off. it's powered by Ketracil or just means that they're weak and they can't do... Like, it just says... I mean, I'm just... Memory Alpha says that it's powered... Like, all their powers come from Ketracil White, is what it says. Well, all their strength is powered, but yeah, I mean... Jim, they, like, they, all Jim Hadar functions, the ability to shroud was regulated by the presence of Ketracil well, White. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. All functions means, like, all bodily functions, so that's, like, just... I mean, they don't so eat, like, so. so it's like how, like if you if you if you take heroin, you can't shit. Like if you if you take, yeah, yeah. don't take if you stop taking Ketracel White, you can't you can't turn invisible. Right. Well, I mean, they don't eat, so everything is powered by Ketracel White. So That's all I'm um, like, I mean, you're just saying because uh, yeah, um, I, John, someone like John Scalzi or someone who's interested in writing like a long sci-fi novel should just rip off the idea of a drug addicted army, because I think there's interesting stuff. I think they left meat on the bone, but I'm not interested in yeah, sure. being oh, part yeah, yeah, of the yeah. Picard series or something. <laughs> right, right, right. So, like, I, I'm interested in more stuff about, like, drug, like, making people drug addicted and to manipulate them. And then, like, what happens? Anyway, um, like, I, I have a lot of, like, it seems like that's a fertile soil that they didn't follow, do enough with. Right. I mean, but, yeah, um, you could do a lot. You could do a lot of Vietnam analogies with that, am I right? Oh, dude, they do do a lot of Vietnam analogies. Yeah, it's almost as if Vietnam was something that just profoundly impacted a whole generation of people. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> as if <laughs> we went on to write white and watch sci-fi. Where, where, where would you put this on on your rewatch meter? Eight or nine? Well, I'll put it at like five because you know what, guys, people don't like things that take place in deserts. Oh. oh! <laughs> No. I love deserts. Bump it up to a 10 for me. Thank you no, very no. much. I, 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 this I, is a rock quarry. Seven. <laughs> I liked it. No, a six. I like yeah. this episode more than I would want to rewatch it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That, right, that, uh, it, but it's it, not. There's, but it's a good. It's a, it's I'm going to put mine, mine yeah. probably somewhere in the middle. I'm going to put it in as a, as a seven for me. I'll bump it's it down a, to a seven. Yeah. I, I, like, so I could see a circumstance where I might want to watch the famous episode where, where uh, Avery Brooks does that point. <laughs> point to someone uh, while swimming. The, me- the meme, the meme. <laughs> yes, the, yes. Yeah, I did think there's a lot of memes in this. All right, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, everybody on IMDb thinks of this episode. Eight point two. No, I think that's high. I think I, I think that's high. I'm gonna go seven point nine. Eight point six. Whoa! Shit! Nine hundred and twenty-eight 
25 votes. I ain't been that wrong. People love this episode. Yeah, it's I, yeah. I think we're gonna get. I think season six we're gonna have a lot of high notes. Yeah, I mean, I think this was. I think this is really good. Yeah. All right. Do yeah. we know that that I mean, is it common knowledge that rocks and shoals is the naval code for punishing people under that, like like under the court martial before the court martial, and the standard organized rules of conduct? Rocks and shoals is what the military used to use. I did I, not know that. Yeah, oh, I did not so know it's that. It's like a. It's a clever name. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no. Okay. So for once, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Didn't fuck up the name of their episode. Good title. <laughs> Wade, do you want to outro this this bad boy? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Um, yes. So, anyways, uh, maybe or maybe not you haven't heard any voicemails for a while, but we still want to hear them from you. So, give us all your Star Trek opinions and your DS9 opinions, and specifically about this episode, or what um, not. At yeah, I mean, we, 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 you know, we, it's not like we record them and then some asshole like deletes his file thinking he, yeah, uploaded it yeah. to a cloud. Yes. That, that doesn't happen, guys. So just, just fucking chill. Okay. I don't know what kind of podcast you listen to, but this is not one where that kind of shit happens. We run a tight ship here. Anyways, so give us your voicemails at 917-408-3898 and do all that stuff. And if you want to support the show and if you're missing out on voicemails and you want to talk with other fans of the show on like our Discord chat or, or hear our other uh, audio content that we provide for you, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Kickers of Elves. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff over there. All right. Yep. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. Please join us next week as we go over another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. My condition was in